When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And today, we're getting candid with Aldridge. So if you're new here, welcome to the podcast. You're listening to our interview series. We've talked to a handful of artists so far, including Quarters of Change, Vacations, and Charlotte Sands. But today, we're talking to Aldrich, and this conversation was really cool because we got to cover one of my personal favorite topics, which is New York City rock music, but also Maddie Healy being a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I think this, yeah, this conversation was honestly a perfect fit of Sarah and I's personal interest because I'm a big fan of hyper-pop music, and we don't usually get to talk about that on our regular podcast or on our interview series yeah and i feel like it's really cool too because like the music that aldrich pulls from that's like more recent probably pulls from most of the myspace bands that i used to listen to which like i guess now they would be classified as hyper pop but then i think it was like neon emo i don't even know what it was but i'm thinking like hello goodbye like head automatica cash cash because like aldrich also pulls from indie and rock music and so it's very much like rock star meets pop star which is jenna and my favorite genre of music right now it's very much giving slut rock it's very much giving kesha which we love and also comes up in our conversation because sam in addition to being an artist in addition to being a producer is also a dj so while he is crate digging he is also gathering inspiration for his music and we did get to see him do a dj set together when jenna was in new york in december and the whole night like i think maybe every like 10 songs or so he would like play kesha and we were just be like kesha more kesha it was honestly as if like a dj was burst from our dreams (laughs) It was a great time. It was a great great time. time. He also played Metro Station. Like, he knows what he's doing. (laughs) As you can tell, we're big fans. So today we're talking to Sam, also known as Aldrich, about all of this and his upcoming EP, which is out February 9th. And now let's go get candid with Sam. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the show. And thanks for joining us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. So jumping into things, you're originally from Minneapolis and moved to New York a few years ago. And, you know, it's really interesting. I always think artists are often influenced by the cities they live in and the music scenes that are kind of happening in those places. So do you feel like Minneapolis had any sort of music scene influence on you? Or was that something you were really looking for when you came to New York? Honestly, well, I mean, I've been I've been playing violin since I was six. So like the music that I was into as a kid was a lot more like classical music Mm. and focused in that sort of world. I didn't really start producing and making my own music till I came to New York. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't involved too much in a music scene in Minneapolis, but definitely like the scenes that Minneapolis has had have definitely affected like my influences and my production. I mean, of course, Prince is a legend of Minneapolis goat definitely take a lot of inspiration from that and there's also like a really cool like midwest emo math rock like house show scene Mm -hmm. 
in Minneapolis. Yeah, when I was first starting college, I lived in like the college town. It's called Dinky Town. <laughs> I lived, my my street number was uh, 420, which was pretty swag. Um, nice. Great time uh, for a college student. Yeah. But yeah, just like going to house shows around there, it was like always free admission, just like in the basement of some like beat up fratty house. And that definitely shaped like the trajectory of me as a musician and a producer. So you said you started producing when you got to New York. Do you feel like you just kind of fell into this or you kind of saw like the music and art scene here? And how did you kind of make your way into it? Honestly, I did sort of fall into it. I mean, like a year before I moved to New York, I started Aldrich and I started seriously making music, but it wasn't until I moved to New York that I like really met like a network of people that I would start working with. And yeah, I mean, I totally fell into it. I have a my good friend and now roommate. Uh, his name is Adi. He goes by Kare. He's a videographer. He was coming out to New York to stay with me when he was still living in Minneapolis. And he found this band called Pop Tropica Sluts. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar. Yes. Yeah, so he found their song uh, Romeo and Juliet on SoundCloud uh, and wanted to shoot a video for it. This was like when they were still super small. So he came out to New York to shoot that. And I just tagged along and shot grip for it and introduced myself to them. And uh, I don't know like how it necessarily happened, but I, I got on a FaceTime call with Christian from PTS after that. And I had like put some drums on one of their songs and... Yeah, from there, we just started working like, I don't know, like three to five times a week, just like mm. banging out demos. And that's sort of how it all happened. Amazing. It was actually Christian that gave me the idea to start the Aldrich project on Spotify as like a like a producer artist where I don't mm. necessarily mm. do vocals, but it's like it was like sort of trying to be like the Diplo of hyperpop. Nice. Um, <laughs> But since then, I've moved on to, you know, being a more proper artist. So also just thinking about like New York City and like what it means to be here, like as a musician, we've talked to some other artists about the idea of kind of like New York City being a little bit like alive and like music history kind of just like being in the streets and a lot of people specifically move here because of music or like will come here and like feel very inspired. And so do you feel like there was something about being here where you're like, okay, like this music world is like speaking to me and like something that I want to be part of my legacy as well. Totally. I mean, just being here has like introduced me to so many people that I now regularly mm -hmm. work with, like visual artists and other music acts, producers, DJs. I mean, yeah, it's just sort of like a general scene that like cultivates a lot of inspiration for me, like finding new music and new inspirations for songs to make or finding artists that like I'll have their whole discography on my on my USB and be playing at the clubs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a, a general like inspiration blast, which is pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. And so getting into kind of your music, I feel like you draw from so many different elements and sounds kind of to these categories being both hyper pop and indie rock. And I think hyper pop is quite an interesting thing because like if you look at the emo warp tour pop punk circle, we had neon emo as bands doing that. But now hyper pop has also like evolved into being like very much like an internet movement. And there's a lot of 
PC music and rabbit holes of other music of this genre. And then at the same time, your indie leaning songs are, you know, pulling from like MGMT in 1975. And so like, how did you come about finding your sound through all of this? That's a good question. Honestly, I'm not really sure. It It just happened. Yeah, I kind of just like stumbled around. I started, you know, like in that very like PC music, hyper pop lane, like super, super auto-tuned, huge 808s and like your your, like 100 gex snare that goes like, you know, Um, (laughs) I mean, since I was little, like I was always, I wanted to be like a rock star and like play a rock band. I love um, that. Yeah. <laughs> I relate deeply and I'm not I, musically gifted in the slightest. I mean, it's just it's just sort of like the the dream. Yeah. So I had this idea for this this rock album, Industry Standard, and I had so much fun making it, producing it, recording it. It came out really, really fast. I was like mm. doing a song a day, just banging them out in the summer. That was so fun. And it really helped me find sort of my voice, especially my lyrical voice. Cause mm. like I mm. I never really I mean, I was like I was a producer to start. Yeah. So like I never really felt like I had much to say like in words. It would always just come out, you know, like on the page. Right. So yeah, I mean that that album like helped me find, you know, my voice lyrically and also just like how to sound. I know like I if you like go back through my discography, there's like some older stuff with my vocals on it that's very different. So yeah, it was it it like helped me help me sort of hone in on stuff and and gather inspirations from other stuff. Yeah. Did you feel like with that album, were you specifically setting out to make something that was more rock leaning than what you had done previously? Totally. And I think it served its purpose for me. Um, and I'm really glad that I did it. But I feel like in the grand scheme of things, I sort of forgot or pushed to the side like where I came from with like electronic music. Mm, mm. So that's like what this new EP is. It's like taking like sort of what I found in like how I make music and like what my voice is from industry standard and applying that to, you know, like my older sort of style of production. And it, yeah. it like mm. I mean, made I something think new. Yeah, yeah. And from me personally listening through the album and also what you've put out so far of the EP, I think that's very apparent of you kind of exploring those rock sounds, seeing what you like from it. And then with this EP, I was going to say, like, it even felt like you're now combining the two to kind of move forward with that sound. 100%. Yeah, that's that's the vibe. I think it's like really interesting just looking at your like artist aesthetics and your visuals that you used alongside your music and how reminiscent it feels of MySpace. And like the MySpace kind of era and like uh, being someone who is very much like in the thick of it (laughs) when it comes to like MySpace bands and uh, that whole kind of movement. I think it's really interesting because I think for like the quote unquote like nostalgia's sake, like when people think about like Warp Tour and like pop punk and like all of that stuff, it's kind of different than like the MySpace music of like what I would think about it, because I think like the quote unquote MySpace music would be more of like the neon emo kind of like bordering on what we now call hyper pop but at the time like we didn't have a name for totally when it comes to all of that like i mean i assume like obviously like this was like something that you're like doing on purpose but as you were like creating the music and creating these visuals like did you feel the need to like lean into it more because you're like okay like this is like what i'm pulling from in like my own way or like with the visuals yeah it's just like such an interesting aesthetic to like go all in on yeah, I don't really know. I mean, like when I was young, I was sort of chronically offline 
and like my mm-hmm. my parents like totally boot camp me into like practicing violin every day so like <laughs> i never really like had like a proper like induction into like all of that like myspace era stuff i definitely like got a lot of that just like rubbed off on me from working with pts so much because they're like the epitome oh, of yeah. like that myspace you know like hello goodbye hot it's topic core yeah totally <laughs> yeah. yeah hot topic core i mean in terms of visuals it's like i do it all myself and i pride myself on like it looking good but it's all just yeah. sort of like you know i just like have i'm like i'm a stuff guy i have a lot of things <laughs> A lot of cool looking <laughs> things with buttons and lights. I mean, it's all basically just me like grabbing stuff in my room and putting it in a studio and I don't know, just making something that looks like aesthetically pleasing. And especially yeah. for visuals, I stand by the philosophy that like you make something that looks cool and make it mean something later, you know? Yeah. It's really cool because it feels like Aldrich kind of like as an artist and a brand is like very like you're very clear on what you're doing. And I think like that's really awesome because sometimes you'll like listen to an artist and then go look at their visuals and stuff. And it's like these are not the same, same person. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would have absolutely no idea. And so I just think it's really awesome how you are able to kind of like, I don't know, just everything feels very cohesive. And like, I don't think you see that as much anymore. Thank you. I, that that means a lot to me. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just sort of like a underlying, like, it's like nerd rock. It's like I like, <laughs> have a lot of weird nerdy stuff, and I feel like my music sounds like that. So if I, you know, show off all my cool nerdy machines, it, it just sort of fits. Love that. So I was thinking, like, I don't know, kind of like tying this visual aspect into it. I know, like, you did a tour last summer and you've played like you played a show for like your industry standard album and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm assuming like being a producer, you're spending a lot of time like making music on a computer and especially like being hyper pop, like a lot of it comes in being very technical and just digital. And so for you, what's it like being able to translate this and like your artist image into a live setting? Oh, it's so fun for me. I mean, there are just like so many things that you can do with a live show. I have a lot of fun playing synths and stuff live. I mean, like I found that doing live stuff, it's really, really hard to play and sing at the same time, especially if you want to like put put on like a show. Yeah. Like if you want to be dancing around and, and stuff and interacting yeah. with the crowd, it's it's hard to be focusing on that and then also singing and playing. So I have like a pretty like automated setup in terms of like tracks and playback. I've done like setting up like DJ effects on my vocals where I'm like, I'm like chopping up my vocals and like adding reverbs with nice. knobs and buttons mm. and stuff. And uh, something that I just started doing, I just got some lights and I've been programming lights um, in Ableton. Oh, cool. It's really, really interesting. You can like set it up so you can use MIDI, which is like how like, you know, the language of yeah. DAWs and stuff using MIDI to program lights to, you know, turn on and off strobe, change colors, move around. So essentially, like you can just like produce lights That's so cool. for your live set. So I've been doing that a lot. I one time saw this band. They were from England. I'd have to remember what band it was, but he was playing a MIDI clarinet on stage, but it was not a clarinet. Like it was a different instrument, but just playing a MIDI clarinet on stage. And I feel like you could do that. (laughs) You should should maybe do that. Totally. (laughs) 
Yeah, those <laughs> those things are sick. I want to get one of those. I'm not a woodwind player though, so I don't know. The violin. It, yeah. Hey. I do. <laughs> I I have played violin on stage. We did that yeah. for the whole PTS tour. That was really oh, fun. Oh, nice. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> other bands with violins yeah, what? no yellow card's the only one is that that is that one. is that like the pop punk band with the violinist or is that something else that i'm thinking yeah. of no yeah, yeah. It's like, like ocean, ocean avenue, avenue. <laughs> yeah i remember uh i remember on that tour we like kept getting like everyone was just like making that comparison i was like okay yeah. all right. you're like okay i get it. okay that's cute that's cute for you. Okay, it's like for a lot of youths, it's like you're watching the Ocean Avenue music video for the first time like, at like Whoa. 12 years old and you're like, a violin in a rock band? I know. Oh, oh my, my God. God. That's so funny. When I was in elementary school, my friends were like starting a band and I was so sad mm-hmm. because like I, I wanted to be a part of the band so bad and they're like, you can't have violin in a rock band. <laughs> you're like, watch me. Did they not see School of Rock or like Cello I, the Bass? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Hello. So in addition to being a producer and having your own music as Aldrich, you're also a DJ. And we, you know, had the chance to see one of your sets. And it's very clear that you enjoy mixing like a lot of different sounds together. And when we saw your set, you were playing a lot of Kesha, which was deeply important to us. So thank you for yes. your service. Oh, yes. um, but I'm curious, like how much time you spend like digging for music specifically, like for your DJ sets. And like, does that also impact then your producing artistry? Yeah, I mean, totally. Actually, DJing has been a really good thing for my production because it means I'm listening to a lot more music. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, I always am the most depressed and have the hardest time making music when I'm not listening to music. Mm, so yeah. like spending time like crate digging, you know, yeah. on SoundCloud yeah. and whatever really has like done a lot for my inspiration as a producer but yeah i mean it's it's just a lot of fun like you find new music and you you figure out you know new mixes you can do i just <laughs> found this new artist who's like a total like blog house revival guy and i am apprehensive to say his name because i want to gatekeep him um no i'm, I'm just kidding <laughs> Uh, his name is Dear Cupid. I don't know if he's had a another project, but he he only has one song out um, called "Roll It Down," and it is so sick. Nice, it's really. We cool. will have to check it out. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like justice in like the prime era. Yeah, we heard your music and we were like, this guy, this guy loves Cash Out. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's stupid how much I love Kesha. But like it makes sense. But honestly, it makes sense. Like w- even with the music you make, like it makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. It wasn't that far, I believe. No, not at all. I'm like Kesha also played Bamboozle, so I feel like in you wanting to make like slutty rock music, Kesha also Kesha wanted makes to slutty make slutty rock, rock music. Rock oh, music. completely, completely. <laughs> Yeah, she is like the queen of slutty rock music. She really is. So we do need to talk about the fact that you have an EP coming out soon called Would You Like to Go Out? You've been like dropping songs periodically from that EP, but it's all coming out on February 9th. And most recently you dropped the song People Are the Enemy and Fate from the EP. And both of these tracks like feel pretty heavy. So what's the story you're wanting to tell with these? And how does it play into like the greater story of the EP? Okay. All right. Well... Both songs were written a few months ago, and it was a time in my life where I was sort of having like a a moment, um, just like with like relationships and learning about people in my life, just like sort of, 
I don't know, like stumbling through life because it's hard and, you know, you have your differences with people and things happen. And so I was sort of just like taking out my unresolved feelings on my microphone. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's, That's how you get angsty rock. That's how you get slutty rock. That's how you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just channeling my, you know, my anger and disdain. And I mean, it worked out pretty well. Um, But yeah, the songs are definitely heavy and they're pretty jaded lyrics. Mm. Um, But I mean, I love like taking something depressing and putting it over like something that you want to dance to. Right. I love. Yeah, same. I, I think that's like something that. A lot of people can get behind, especially like anyone is going through anything where they can, you know, relate to, you know, what I'm saying in the songs. I feel like they don't necessarily want to like sit and cry about it. They would rather, you know, like just like let it all hang out. out. Yeah. Scream. Yeah. I mean, I feel like having that moment of like, why am I crying in the club right now is like. (laughs) Totally. an event. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I personally like love pop music that like maybe you can cry to, but also not if you don't want to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I cry in the club, you know, once every weekend. So <laughs> every time you play Kesha. Yeah, every time. <laughs> every every DJ set I have, I'm crying 100% of the time. So <laughs> the whole hour, the whole yeah. two hours. It's like no, come, four come hours. see me DJ. Yeah. I will be sobbing. Yeah. Kesha's available. So being a producer and like working in a genre like hyper pop, do you feel sometimes like there's so many layers to things that you have a hard time knowing when to like call a song done? Yeah. Yeah, big, big time. I was actually bouncing out the stems to uh, the EP tracks and I was noticing how many tracks there are in, in each song. It gets pretty ridiculous at a certain time at a certain point do you ever like listen back to something and you're like maybe i went a little too overboard with how much i put into this honestly no i feel like okay. like every time i like overthink and overproduce stuff like i'm always like so happy with the end product it's like <laughs> it's always it's always the songs that are really simple very like four track like guitar bass yeah. drums vocal that i'm like like i listen back and i'm like ah like i I could have, I could have put that there. Kind of, yeah, could have done yeah. this differently. I mean, I'm a producer's producer, so like, I'm like, I will make the label mad and make my manager mad because I'm like, I, I can't deliver this until it's done, and like, you just gotta, <laughs> just gotta deal with maybe, it. I have to sit with yeah, it. Yeah, maybe your new tagline is maximalist music for crying in the club. <laughs> That's really good. So you in past interviews have talked about the fact that you are a fan of the 1975 and we ourselves are (laughs) fans. (laughs) We ourselves are are also fans of the 1975 and that doesn't, you know, come with its own set of things. Uh, But uh, but in listening to like the tracks you have released for the EP, End of the Night in particular, when listening to it, felt very reminiscent of the 1975. Totally. Um, And so what what is it for you as an artist about the 1975's music and production that like stuck out to you that you were like, I want to emulate this in a song? I mean, it's well, first of all, it's just the best pop music I think I've ever heard. Mm. It's it's topical. It's just incredibly well produced. Honestly, like a lot of it is really maximal. And even the stuff that's like Mm. your classic four track, you know, four piece band song is still like maximally produced. 
I mean, yeah. like as a producer, it's like really easy to be a huge fan of the 1975 because like yeah. George and Maddie, I don't know if anyone else in the band produces. The production is like really what gets me. And also the writing is incredible, even if it's like really stupid lyrics. <clears throat> um, it's all like <laughs> it's it's all perfectly placed and so well thought out. Mm. And uh, I base a lot of my live show off Maddie Healy because he... He moves around really great. But speaking of Maddie and speaking about <laughs> being Jewish and liking Maddie Healy. Hell yeah. And just uh, being anything that's not also what Maddie Healy looks like and liking Maddie Healy. It's a little bit of a, can be a little bit of a difficult thing. And it's something we talk about quite a lot on our podcast. We've had multiple episodes about kind of like from the beginning of the podcast about Maddie Healy's uh god complex if you will and how like they're a band that i think also has been like unfairly judged based off of who their fan base is and like what they're made up of and like all that sort of stuff and it's like maddie healy is a very double-edged sword of there's very few people in his position that speak on things but also at the same time because he wants to be speaking on things he does dumb things on stage that yeah. make a lot of people feel isolated totally so like as somebody who takes a lot of inspiration from him like how how does one cope when like it's not just like being a music fan but also somebody who's like inspired you in your art yeah it's definitely weird mm -hmm. like especially like you know my parents are also jewish and like they <laughs> no they, <way. laughs> they saw the whole fiasco with like maddie healy doing a nazi salute on stage and like, yeah you know we had a whole conversation about it and i mean mm -hmm. like i i saw it for i think what it was intended to be it like was yeah. supposed to be like a performative reference to you know kanye's anti-semitism yeah which I mean, I think like was like a topical thing to do at a show. I don't necessarily yeah. think it was like like the right thing, like the right move. Yeah. Um. Because I mean, like you're throwing up a Nazi salute on a on a stage at a stadium for like thirty thousand people. Yeah. You know, that's not going to end well. And that's yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough, and I don't really know how to navigate it. I mean, like yeah. like Kanye, like has is also like one of my yeah. favorite artists, one of my favorite producers, huge inspiration to a lot of my music. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I don't know. It's like it's heartbreaking, and it's like it's hard because like I understand aspects of it, but I like I'm also angered by aspects of it. So yeah. I don't know. It's kind of just like taking it with a grain of salt because like it's not like I have to like, you know, stick my neck out and defend this guy who's like super famous who doesn't even know me. But like it's also like I, I don't condone, you know, necessarily yeah, yeah. what he's doing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's something that I'm still figuring out how to navigate. But yeah. You know. No, I think like that added layer of it's like you're not just a fan. You're like, oh, you can like hear semblances of like their inspiration in my music and like all that sort of stuff. And I know like like some like music fans like this affects so much like stronger than others where it's like, OK, they do this one thing and I'm never going to listen to them, them again. Like yeah. there's going to be no coming back. Yeah. And like I think for, for like me personally with Maddie, like there have been these moments where I'm like, okay, I'm not, I like can't stomach it for like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, totally. And it's funny, Is like looking at like, my, 
was so funny because you could see the exact point in time where she stopped listening to the 1975. Really? That's yeah. funny. Because it's like, it, it like would fall off for like a month and then I'd be like, ugh, whatever, I'm over it. But like, am I? I don't know. Because yeah. like, can you ever really be fully? Because it's, I don't know, It's he's a little bit in, insufferable about at the same time. It's like the art is so good. Yeah. And I'm like, he's trying. <laughs> Nobody else is trying. That's true. And then I'm like, why am I making excuses for him? He's always being anti-Semitic on his Instagram stories. <laughs> it like it really sucks when like the the like the one celebrity who you love like just has total like Reddit incel humor, but like is yeah. also yeah. at the same time like one of the only people with a platform like actually saying something that makes sense yeah. and something that people need yeah. to hear. Um, yeah. which yeah. like I commend him for, you know, a lot of the things yeah. that he says because they are smart and well-informed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely think it's complicated and something that like a lot of music fans are kind of navigating in their own time and way and figuring out how they feel about the scenario. But also, I mean, using Matty Healy as a great example, like <laughs> one could argue maybe that he has a certain type of persona when he's on stage or when he's like opening his mouth. That's maybe sometimes a little bit different than even what we hear from him in his music. And like, we've talked a lot about the idea of persona, like on our radio show and our podcasts of just how sometimes artists use kind of like a persona either to step into a different version of themselves or to just step into like a larger than life version of themselves that like aligns with the artistry they're making. So do you feel like you have like a persona that you kind of put on when you're becoming Aldrich? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it only is really apparent like when I'm doing like the live show. Mm -hmm. It's a very like... I don't know. I just sort of immerse myself in like the most like heightened version of myself. Yeah. Um, just like doesn't really care. And I mean, I would love for you guys to see me perform live sometime to, yes. to see see what that entails. But <laughs> it's really fun. I mean, like I, I don't think I've really played enough shows to like figure out like if there's like like actually like a, a persona that I like you know, put myself right. into. But I mean, it definitely feels like, I don't know, I, I really felt it on my first ever show. It was like, like, before, like, m months and months before Industry Standard actually came out. And it was like, when I had like, finished all the demos in like a week. And mm -hmm. I did a show on my birthday on May 3rd nice. last year. And it was it was just like so freeing it was me and my three friends on stage doing the four-piece band thing and like nice. all my homies were there <laughs> yeah. pts was there my manager was there like yeah. everyone everyone in new york that <laughs> i've ever known good vibes. good vibes only. yeah good vibes are the admission price <laughs> totally well it, it was ten dollars but okay um, but, that too, but you know in spirit yeah in spirit. <laughs> ten dollars worth of good vibes <laughs> yeah totally um but yeah, I mean, just like getting on the stage and like being able to like, I was like, I finally like made the music that like, that I feel is like actually like coincides with my voice as an artist. Mm. And it was just like really freeing interacting with the crowd and just like rolling around on stage and, you know, <laughs> kicking shit over. But yeah, I, I definitely need to get back out there um, in terms of the live show and like keep honing in like what it means to step on stage yeah i mean going back to the idea of persona i mean i kind of love what you said of on stage being like the 150 percent version of yourself and i 
I always appreciate when artists kind of like recognize that because I think, you know, when you're going on stage, like you're there to put on a performance. And I think, you know, at least for me, having the mental separation of like, no, like I'm doing this when I'm on stage, it kind of like helps you step into this like larger than life version of yourself. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, like if I was just like to get on stage and be like how I am in my everyday life, like, yeah, I mean, it'd be like, <laughs> it'd be kind of boring. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, I'm like, I'm not like a crazy guy, but on stage, I, I, I am. <laughs> Well, I think it's like it's nice because it a lot it gives an artist like an opportunity to like really become the music like rather yeah, than just yeah. be like oh like this is just me being me. And yeah. I, I think like when it comes to live shows as fans, like you want to feel like you're genuinely experiencing the music, and I think that goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier, where like your music and your visuals and all of that like feel seamless, and so the thought of like putting on a live show that like continues that pattern like obviously feels feels like something that's very important to you and like obviously important to the crowd as well yeah yeah definitely so as we mentioned have your ep coming out february 9th what else can the people expect from you in 2024 oh man let's see well i made a song the other day and it's really good so i will release that after the EP comes out. Um, Maybe more shows on the horizon. Maybe another tour this year. I would love to do a EP release show in like March Mm. or April. Um, I really want to do Mercury Lounge. I, uh, me and, I was supposed to open for my good friend Curtis Waters. I don't know if you guys know about Curtis Waters. Just a wonderfully stand-up guy. It's one of my favorite people I've met in music. But uh, he unfortunately got sick on in the middle oh, no. of our tour uh right before we were supposed to play mercury lounge it was gonna be oh, a, no. a big smash of a show but yeah. um i want to go back there and do a release party slash show at mercury lounge yeah that'd be so fun i just really want to get back out there with the live stuff i think that's like one of the strongest things that i have under my belt and i mm. i want people to to see it Cause it's pretty fun. We have fun. It's, it's just like, it's a, it's a fun combination of like a, like a club party DJ set and a live show. So the last question that we like to ask everybody is, so the ethos of name three songs is to empower fangirls. And we think it's very important to be a critical consumer, but also celebrate the things we love unapologetically. So Sam, what are you a fangirl of? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I am a fangirl of the 1975 of course, mm-hmm. the, it, yeah. it, it can be anything, right? It doesn't it have be, to yeah, be anything. Absolutely anything. You can't leave out Kesha, though. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Fine. I take back the 1975 and I and I put Kesha because I haven't been listening to the 1975 as much. All right. I'm a fangirl of Kesha, Lego sets and home improvement. All right, this has been a lovely chat. I love getting to hear about all of your music production, everything you have going on. So thank you, Aldrich. Thank you, Sam, for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for getting candy with us and Aldrich. This has been Sarah and Jenna from Name Three Songs. And if you have thoughts, feelings, questions, or you want to come chat with us, you can find us at Name Three Songs on Instagram or TikTok. And to get your pop culture fix, you can listen to new episodes of Name Three Songs podcast every Wednesday. Until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.